Hello, welcome once again to the Winning Edge Investments Podcast. My name is Mark Hayward, thanks for tuning in. Uh, today we have another one of our expert Q&As with the analysts here at Winning Edge Investments. And today we're talking to Lachlan Mosley, he runs the Black Book Racing Service. So looking forward to having a chat with Lachlan about all things racing and punting. So our guest on today's podcast is Lachlan Mosley. Lachlan runs the Black Book Racing Service at Winning Edge Investments. How are you going, Lachlan? Very good, thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. So I guess we'll just start off with, um, did you want to tell us a bit about yourself? Um, maybe just your background, how you came to be where you're at today? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I'm uh, in my early 30s from Adelaide, South Australia. Um, always sort of been into the, the sports side of things. I played a bit of footy when I was younger and a bit of grade cricket uh, as a teenager. Uh, sort of, you know, only sort of fell in love with horse racing uh, in, during my mid-teens, probably about 16 or 17. Um, that's just basically watching the Melbourne Cups as everyone as everyone does. So, um, you know, horses like Maccabi Diva and stuff like that um, really got me into the horse racing side of thing and side of things and the, the love for horse racing and um, yeah, getting a little bit older towards 18, 19 when you're old enough to have a punt, um, it's sort of pretty thrilling. So that's just where uh, yeah the love for horse racing came from. And, and racing for you, so it started as a bit of a hobby? Was it a, a in your family or anything? Or? No, it wasn't. There's no horse racing in my family at all. It just yeah, it started off, uh, like I was saying, just going to the pub and having a punt and just the thrill of horse racing. Um, just found that I really loved it, that side of the industry and stuff like that. So um, I, I wasn't actually into horse racing at all. I, I started out working uh, in the optical industry from about the age of 18 to about 24. Um, didn't really like it. wasn't really something I loved. Um, so I decided to quit. Um, took me a little bit of time to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, so I decided to do a few certificates down at the Morpherville Case in thoroughbred uh, training and, and stable hand work. Um, from there on, I got a, I wouldn't say an apprenticeship, I'd say it's just yeah, more of a part-time job with um, an Adelaide-based trainer called Trevor Danzy. Um, you know, he just took me on and we did some morning work and just learning how to saddle up horses, walking the horses, mucking out yards, and yeah, he just sort of teach me from there. Um, after that, I moved on to uh, another Adelaide trainer called Gordon Richards, who has a slightly larger stable. And, um, yeah, I've still got a pretty good affiliation with him today, actually. I uh, own a few horses with him. And, yeah, just went from there. Were you, were you thinking of working in stables as a career? Oh, to be honest, I'm not 100% sure. Like, um, I really did love working down there. Um, you know, I suppose maybe the goal one day was to be maybe a horse trainer because, you know, I really... You know, I used to follow Gordon around and used to love what he did. But, um, yeah, when I was working with Gordon Richards at his stables, I had a pretty bad uh, a knee injury um, from footy. Um, it required a full knee reconstruction. And, um, obviously, I couldn't work down at the stables uh, anymore, which is pretty tough. So from there, I just decided to get into the form side of things. I had, you know, nothing else to really do. I was stuck on my ass at home. Um yeah, because I obviously couldn't work. So, um, you know, being like a bit of a punter and stuff like that, I really started to dig into the form and uh, built a website up from there. Yep. So you had your own website before you joined uh, Winning Edge Investments? 
I don't think it's up anymore. I haven't really checked. Um, yeah, and that was just basically just sending out free tips on Twitter and via the website. Um, made a little bit of money on the side through affili- uh, just bookie affiliations, which I don't do anymore. But um, yeah, I just noticed I was giving, I was doing, uh, studying the form pretty strongly, uh, giving out free tips, and I was uh, recording all my results and. Um, yeah, from there I was, I was having a lot of success. I noticed and uh, getting some really good feedback from people, and um, yeah, I actually got picked up by a, a form analyst who's uh, no longer in business, but uh, he took me on from there um, and asked me if I wanted to do a paid service. Um, lasted about eighteen months there before um, Dean Evans from Horse Racing Pros, obviously now Winning Edge Investments, um, picked me up, and um, yeah, the rest is history. Fantastic. So it sounds like you've pretty much run the full gamut as a punter. You started out as a, a bit of a recreational punter, um, right through now to, to almost do, or doing form full-time. Uh, have you always been a successful punter, have you found, or did it take some time to get to that? Oh, yeah, you probably take some time to get to that position. Um, it's hard to know if you're a successful punter when you're a young fella because you're just probably betting on anything, but... Um, when I started to take it more seriously and focused on the horses and started recording my results, I could actually see that I was making some profit or long-term profit from there. So, um, yeah, yeah. since I've started, like, like I was saying, since I've started recording, I have noticed a solid incline. So just your betting philosophy uh, nowadays is, uh, can you describe for us, I guess, how you, you identify your bets and what, what do you think your... I guess, style of form analysis is? Um, I, just, I just try not to overcomplicate things because um, I do my main analysis on video replays. You know, these are horses that run, run home strongly. You, you watch their run, they have zero luck. Um, you know, they might burn the candle too early and knock up. And, um, yeah, once I like, mark a horse down on a video replay, I'll then try and match up their sectional splits and um, overall times of the race. Because I think like, sometimes you can actually have too much data and information and it can sort of mess around with these thoughts in your head or your original uh, confidence levels on a runner. Um, you know, data doesn't lie and data is very important, but I think there also needs to be a human element involved in sending out selections. Um, you know, some, some edges that I do find are price discrepancies versus the favourites due to weight swings. I mean, you might see a horse run that runs really appealing to the eye for like a, a close fifth or sixth or something like that. And, you know, it might be racing against that winner of the race the next start that had a two kilo weight swing on it. Yet the winner might start, you know, $3 and the horse that you like jumped up $9. You just have to take the $9 chance just simply because of the value it represents. Or any uh, any examples of that recently? Uh, we had, I think it was like late January. We had one with uh, Ash Road at Port Lincoln. Um, yeah, looking at the video analysis from its run, I marked it down because it flashed home pretty hard for second behind a horse called Loxwell. That Loxwell had got an absolute saloon passage on the inside. Ash Road sat near last, covered extra ground, and was only beaten, I think it was about 1.3 or 1.4 lengths. Um, they came up against each other the next time. Um, Ash Road uh, had a 2.5 kilo weight relief. If I, yeah, I think it was 2.5 or 3 kilo weight relief on the favourite. 
Loxwell was $3.50 and Ashray was $14. Um, Ashray stormed over the top of it late. Um, yeah, you know, if they're on level weight, it probably doesn't get there, but just the discrepancy in weight just mean, meant you had to back it. Is there anything else in particular that you look at when you're assessing form or uh, determining your bets? Oh, just just basically the things that every punter looks for. You know, you, you check out their track and their distance statistics, um, you know, how they perform on all types of services like, or surfaces, sorry, like, um, you know, your good, soft, heavy tracks, um, you know, your first up, your second up, your third up form. Um, and, yeah, and just basically try and tie that in with my video analysis. And I guess since you started taking your punting more seriously and recording your results and betting full time, has your your approach changed over that period? Uh, we have had to tweak some things. Um, just for a bit of an example, we were struggling. Oh, not struggling. We were having a, a frustrating period between about May uh, 2017 and November 2017. Um, our profits kept going up and down like a yo-yo. We weren't. We weren't losing any money, but we weren't making an incline into our profits. We were just sitting on a level for about six months. Um, what De uh, myself and Dean did is we sat down and we worked through all our results and we actually noticed our main problem was we were leaking too many units on short price runners and also um, short price win bets only. Um, you know, we had to make the decision to take that out of play and like straight away we've noticed immediate success we've uh we're on our third winning month in a row and we're not really looking back at the moment it's been really really good um so you know we do focus strongly on um each way betting and a, an even stronger focus on a place plane um it's you know it's a good feeling you know if, if you have a horse that's you know about eight or nine dollars and you can still make a really good profit on a horse that runs second or third, they don't always have to win to make a nice profit on a race. Looking at your service, one thing that you do do, which I know a lot of punters don't manage to do, is you actually cover all racing across Australia. Um, how do you do that, would you say? Oh, just hours and hours of tapes. Um, you know, we I do do it as a full-time job, so I do have the time to watch replays across the country for the day. Um, I think it's pretty important to branch out to all parts of the country. Um, you know, lots of analysts and things, they just mainly focus on city metro uh, racing. And um, I think you can find a few diamonds in the rough if you sort of, um, you know, branch out to your, your, your bush tracks and your, your non-metro tracks to find some horses that are really good value. And are there any particular areas of the country that you're more successful or, or less successful in, you've noticed? Um, we we did have a problem with Sydney Saturday Metro meetings. This is another thing me and Dean sat down and discussed. Um, you know, every every runner that I pick, I'm really, really confident, but we were going through the statistics and we just were really, really struggling with, yeah, Sydney Saturday Metro meetings. So... We couldn't figure out why, but the stats didn't lie. So unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, we 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 cut it back from the set, uh, from the service. Um, uh, successful tracks of late um, has been Western Australia. Um, I think the the reason for this is they don't have a million tracks, and they basically go around with the same horses week in week out. 
I think this makes the form guide a little bit easier to read and also the video analysis easier to mark. Um, they also they also mainly race on good surfaces, um, which is which makes the times obviously easier to match up, and the horses less likely to run below par. So um, that just makes yeah you know your your weight swings and stuff like that, and your times easier to easier to read. And as we said, you you do cover all of Australia, and it's a very much a full time gig for you. Uh, just in terms of time management, what do you spend most of your times on? In, time on in terms of um, doing form analysis? Oh, it, it varies. I mean, video analysis does take up a fair bit of time, but um, you just got to tie that in with the form and and things like that, and you know, you mark horses and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, basically, video takes up a lot of time, but um, yeah, but it, it splits. It's varied. Yeah, and so the service you provide for members—that's the the Black Book Racing Service. How do, how does that work from the point of view of a member? What sort what sort of bets do you send out? Uh, how many bets? Uh, what sort of bank do you recommend? And and that sort of thing. Uh, we send out our we send out our selections um, on a daily basis around nine to uh, nine o'clock in the morning, I should say. Um, we send them out with a recommended bet size, uh, the price that we should we believe we should take, and also a runner comment so we can sort of give the the members a, a bit of a reason while we're backing that horse. Um, yeah, we work on a hundred unit betting bank, so we're basically only and we basically sorry only send out about one percent of the bank size. Um, if we're real confident on a runner, we might send out as much as two percent of the bankroll, but never more. Um, you know, our betting strategy is at the moment is to find that nice price runner that looks over the odds, and we'll use that sort of one times three mentality um, yeah, on the race. Um, as as results go, um, since since we started recording the first of January, I think 2016, we've netted. Three, just over 300 units, uh, going at a pot of about 9.10, uh, sorry, 9.13 percent. Just having a look here. Um, you know, if you're a hundred dollar a unit punter, you'd be thirty thousand dollars in front in the space of 24 months. And a big part of that success of of notice, looking through your results, is the big price winners you've found. Uh, just looking at some of the the recent ones, you've got Eva Lil at $41, Casino Wizard $34. Uh, Lady Esprit, $34, Princely, $31. Um, how do you find the big price winners? Because for most people, they're, they're definitely the most satisfying ones. Oh, it's just, it's basically like all of the above that we've chatted about. Um, it's just about reading the race correctly and identifying their times and their forms are strong enough to compete uh, moving forward. Um, it's also about backing your ability as a punter and an analyst and, you know, not being scared off by that price because plenty of people do it. Um, you know, they'll mark a horse on its previous run, think it's a chance, and then it'll come up a big price of $41, like Evil Lil was, and they, they're scared off. They, they don't trust their judgment. They start second-guessing themselves, and they'll leave that horse alone. you just got to have you just gotta have confidence in your process and just don't let those big, big prices deter you, I guess. Yeah, and that one other thing that, is really noticeable is you, you do find the big prices even in big races and um, again just looking through your group one results I saw you had the quarterback uh, Santa Ana Lane uh, Poonamu as well at 25 to 1 
Um, is there any particular secret to finding the big prices in, in Group 1 races? I think, the good, I think the good thing about Group 1 races is that a lot of the big price winners in that race shouldn't be that price. You know, Group 1 racing is obviously the best and you'll get some superstar horses in it and, you know, most people will back them and most people want to see those superstars win. But it does lead to decent horses with decent form going over the odds. Um, you know, the level of Group 1 racing is so good that you only need the favourites to have a little bit of bad luck and, you know, they can't win the race or they've got a huge chance of being rolled. Um, you know, that's when it's time to cash in. That's when, you know, you should really be focusing on value in those big races because, you know, short price favourites can get away with it in your lowly benchmark races during the week. But on the big stage, it's actually quite hard for them to overcome adversity in a run or overcome bad luck in a run. So that's when it's a yeah, good time to get on those uh, those raffies, so to speak. Yeah, right. And you're, you're betting yourself and what you recommend to members. Do you generally bet early in the yep. day or later towards... Um nearer to the jump? Uh, no, basically 9am um, every morning. That's when we send our tips out, so that's the fairest time, obviously because of the minimum bet laws, but, um, you know, that's the best time to send it out to make our recordings fair to members and things like that. Um, if I'm pretty keen on one that's, like, real over the odds and I, I think it's going to be snapped up by other analysts, I will probably send out 24 hours early saying, you know, this is a recommended price now, I do think this is going to shorten um, but yeah, basically 9am. It's just the fairest way for for everyone out there to keep our results there as well. Sure. And one question that uh, we like to ask all the analysts, because a lot of punters do wonder, is you're a successful punter yourself. Um, why do you sell your 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 tips and your your service to punters as opposed to just backing it yourself? The pay service is good. I mean, like without being too selfish, it's extra money in my pocket financially. So. Um, that's always handy. Um, I do interact. I do enjoy, sorry, the interaction with my members and other punters. Um, you know, I do talk a lot on social media with them and have a bit of bit of banter on Twitter with them. And you know, that's what really drives me. You know, while it's a, you know, while it's a full time job, it's also punting supposed to be fun, and and that's what that's what makes it really fun for me is um, yeah, getting to to chat to everyone online. Most of it's good. You do get some bad, but yeah, most of it most of it's good. Um, you know, why not help people get results off the bookmakers rather than keeping it all to yourself? That's just seems like the right thing to do, I guess. Yeah, and speaking of bookmakers, uh, pretty crowded market. Are there any in particular that you yourself find are best to use? Uh, not really. They, they do vary. Um, just whatever offer you the best odds and the best early odds. Um, you know, Sportsbet and Bet365 will often give pretty good early inflated odds. Um, but, you know, most bookmakers do have their pros and their cons. It's just all about sort of comparing the odds and just betting accordingly. So you are a user of, of odds comparison tools, I, I assume. What do you use? Uh, just There's a couple I use. Just dynamic odds is fine. You know, it doesn't they don't charge you too much for that per month. And... You know, if you want a free service, um, you know, punters.com.au, they basically, um, their odds comparing is basically the same. So, And I guess just more in general, the the bookmaking industry in Australia has changed a lot in recent years and uh, it's something that um, is always a hot topic of discussion. What what do you think of the industry yourself? 
Um, oh, I don't have a huge opinion of it on it, but um, you know what does annoy me a little bit is the people that grind out profits and they get banned from bookmakers just for winning a bit. You know, it could be your job and you're getting long-term profit and then suddenly your account's shut the next day. It's just, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, they're happy to take long-time losers' money and you, the mug punters' money because they know they're just going to get it back regardless. Um, yeah, that's basically the only thing that really uh, really annoys me. Um, something needs to change about that, but I don't think it will. And then I guess also the, the wider racing industry, um, how do you think it's going given, you know, you make you make your living off it and... Um, do you think there's anything racing needs to do to stay relevant and um, increase the attraction of the sport and bring the crowds in? Um, yeah, it, it is getting better with the crowds and attracting the new generation, but yeah, they do need to get that young brigade in much more. Um, at the end of the day, they're the future of the sport. Um, one thing I have been pretty critical of is of my home course, Morphville. Um, there's just nothing there that appeals to the kids and to the to young adults. Um, you know, they are sort of getting back on track now and doing some good things, but, you know, maybe they need to do some more promoting, you know, do what Caulfield and, you know, I think Randwick are doing it now is just having, you know, like DJs and music after the race, you know, beer specials, have days where they throw the gates open, um, you know, because at the end of the day, kids and young adults are always looking for something to do and they're the ones with the disposable incomes. Um, yeah, like I was saying, Melbourne and Sydney, I think they're they're doing it now. Melbourne are doing it quite well. Um, it's just something that pretty, that needs to go nationwide. Um, industry's in good hands, though. I wouldn't complain too much. Good one. Well, that's probably about all we've got time for today. So thanks for your time today, Lachlan. And, uh, yeah, we look forward to chatting to with you again sometime soon. No worries, mate. Thanks for the call. So that's today's interview. Thanks again for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed it, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you have any questions at all, you can find Winning Edge Investments on all the usual social media channels. Uh, you'll also find Lachlan himself on social media as well if you want to have a chat to him. Or for anything else or any information on any of the betting packages available, just head to winningedgeinvestments.com.au.